Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and move the entire site from Hello and welcome back to the BBFC podcast. This week we're joined by some very special guests. Here I have Lucy from our education team and our friends at Interfilm. Please welcome Stephen to the podcast. Hello. Stephen, can you tell us a bit about Interfilm and what, what you do? Yeah, so I'm a curator or a curation officer, they call me, at, uh, at Interfilm. Uh, and what Interfilm are, they're an they're a education charity, the UK's largest education charity, um, film education charity. And we use film uh, to assist educators, to assist teachers or film club leaders on uh, how, the, uh, how to help people in the classroom or help children in the classroom uh, to learn through film. Um, we cover the whole spectrum from five to 19 year olds, from primary school all the way up to kind of college and university. Um, and we, yeah, we, we try our best to kind of give resources back to the teachers so they can use film in the classroom. Brilliant. And you've got some very engaging resources as well. I've been looking through. Yeah, all kinds of things. We have uh, film guides, which are PowerPoint presentations that can just be used in the classroom that contain uh, all kinds of activities that kids can do, key questions to learn from the films. We match all the films up to curriculum subjects or certain texts that are used in literature classes, for instance. I think we'll be going over that a little bit today. Um, But yeah, we we try to cover the whole spectrum. Um, And it can be difficult, but I mean, film's such a rich kind of art form that you you really can slot it into anywhere that you you deem uh, necessary so in this podcast we're going to be talking to you about christmas films which i'm very excited about um, and how best you can watch them with your classroom we're going to be drawing on your knowledge of teaching and film and our education resources which lucy can tell us all about and we'll give you maybe some lesson plan ideas and information about how you can use our resources to help children watch christmas films safely and with confidence In particular, we'll be discussing all things Scrooge as we look at three versions of the classic A Christmas Carol and discuss their category-defining moments and appeal in the classroom. The first film we'll be discussing is the most classic example of A Christmas Carol, the 1951 Alice Sim Scrooge, which has been shown in classrooms for over 60 years. The film has always had a U rating and was last submitted to us in 2005, where we rated it a U, with the ratings info contains very mild horror. Modern reviews often state that it's a really true retelling of the story with a very grim tone. Um, what would you say are the category-defining moments in this film, Lucy? Well, what, what I think is really interesting about this version of A Christmas Carol is that it really plays... I mean, some of the other versions that we're going to talk about today also look at this, but this one really does play with um, the fact that A Christmas Carol is a ghost story and there's a long tradition of ghost stories at Christmas that we all know about with other sort of M.R. James and things like that. Um, And I think in terms of classification, there's two parallel thoughts that are going on. One is that there is some, as you say, mild horror, and it is pretty scary. Um, the high point, if you look at some of the old reports from back in the day when people viewed it both in the 1950s but also uh, later in the 80s for VHS release and then um, later on for DVD, the the horror high point is probably uh, 11 minutes or so in when Marley turns up and he's rattling his chains and he's doing everything that you might expect from the Marley character um, complete with his sort of wide mouth and scary eyes and Scrooge is, is terrified beyond his wits um, the other three ghosts have, have their sort of their moments of being scary and then of course you've got the Grim Reaper as well so you've got this 
this uh, group of ghosts that are, are terrifying this character who's a bit awful. And when we when we come onto it, I think that there's some quite interesting things that might mean more if you're a younger audience member when you're watching it. Um, the other parallel thing going on at the same time is this, even in 1951, is an incredibly well-known, m- much seen, much known story. And it's, you know, a parable, isn't it? So I think that we do have to accept or and we always have accepted that people will react to that either because they will know what's coming and because Scrooge sort of totally deserves to get his but then we like him a bit by the end but also because the story is just sort of part of our our fabric so even in the old reports in the 1950s they were talking about it being well worn there had of course been several other versions of it before and other people doing it that's really interesting because I was I was thinking about this myself and how um, a Christmas Carol has gone beyond simply like being an adaptation nowadays. And why one of the reasons it's so great for a classroom is because it's been turned into a fable. It's been turned into a myth. And um, you can, I mean, I grew up watching The Muppets one, which we'll talk about later. But even then, it seemed like I already knew this story. And it's a very simple tale. It's one that becomes more and more prescient as time goes on. Um, and when you when you watch something like the the Alistair Sims version, it's never dull because you kind of you you always feel very comfortable in this world. Um, and and I think that fate, like you said, that kind of they said in 1951 it was well worn already. Yeah, they? that's incredible. Because um, well I, known, or well least. known, yeah. Um, because I think I think it's that's what makes it such a strong text um, for for not regular audiences but also for young audiences as well, just because it's so recognisable. So why do you think this version is considered maybe more serious to watch? Well, a lot of the reviews often state that it's got quite a grim tone to it. Do you think that's a reflection of the time it was filmed or do you think it's um, the way that they portray the ghosts? I think there's a few things going on. I think one is that if we're just thinking about the three versions we're talking about today, it's real people. And although it's black and white, our experience certainly in the um, classroom would be that when it's real people, regardless of the black and white, it does have a resonance that it perhaps doesn't if it's animated. Of course, the Jim Carrey one, when we talk about that, has a different kind of resonance because it was at its time so groundbreaking. And the, and the Muppets, I think what I found quite interesting re-watching that with this sort of podcast in mind was that um, the fact that Kane is a, is, a, is a real person makes some of his reactions really quite disturbing in their own way <laughs> because I feel quite sort of scared and upset for him. Mm. But um, I think the other thing is that although it's, there's an element of um, embracing the dramatic in the role of Scrooge through Alistair Sim. And he does play some stuff for laughs when it's appropriate. I think there is a sort of certain seriousness that he's taking it with and that the others are. And I think that that's palpable when you're watching yeah, it. Yeah, you, you have to take this character seriously. And I think, um, obviously, in the classroom, if we show a film from 1951, usually... In this case, especially, it's going to be for older students, um, film study students or people that are studying Christmas Carol, specifically the text, um, because there are other versions of A Christmas Carol that are more accessible that we'll talk about later for, for younger audiences. You know, the Muppets one was made with that in mind. Um, but with this one, I think you do get the best Scrooge performance, in my opinion. Um, I think that there is a... Yeah, like you said, a seriousness to it, um, a sincerity. Um, I think Alistair Sims' facial expressions are just so wonderful. Um, and they really get across to audiences, you know, how scared he's feeling and how jovial he's feeling at the end as well. Um, and I think um, for me, for a classroom environment, I think this one um, sticks to the text most closely. So if you do want to do a really like kind of um, 
kind of detailed reading of the text, this would be the the film that I would go with. However, I don't think it's going to be the most entertaining for five to nineteen year olds. I think there are other versions that that are more entertaining for that specific audience. In terms of a sort of work of British film as well, because presumably that's one of the ways you'd look at it in the classroom, um, if you were doing it from a film studies or media studies perspective. I think that there's something that hadn't really struck me in the same way, which is like you know the sort of rada accents of everybody and. Um, but also the fact I think that the seriousness comes through because everybody's played by a person. So you've got the sort of uh, maid being actually genuinely quite wrong footed by him hmm. starting laughing at the end. And there's that bit where he's sort of cackling and it's really hard or um, Bob's sort of real uh, nervousness about about why Scrooge is behaving in an unpredictable way um, and the sort of absolute horror of the charity men hmm. at the beginning because, because it, there's something very wicked about what Scrooge is saying and it, is, it isn't a Muppet reacting it's actually a, a real man looking horrified that someone would express those views about the poor and, uh, and and people who are in need and I think that that also adds to the seriousness but it also has this thing it makes me want to think about other British films that you could compare it to you mm. know British classics from the 50s mm. No I completely agree with you yeah um, so you said this has maybe got a lot of educational merit for maybe the higher end of kind of the classroom. So would you maybe see this with the older class or? Well, yeah, for me, um, we, we at Interfilm, we did a little bit of research and we do know that um, the, the teachers it is a text that's used in the curriculum, A Christmas Carol, because, you know, it's quite a short text. Yeah. It's a very famous text. It's by one of our kind of most celebrated authors. Um, it makes sense to use it. And it's short. And yeah, that's the thing. It's so a novella. It's yeah, it's a novella, one that I think Dickens wrote after three kind of unsuccessful novels. And then this ended up becoming his one of his most popular. Um, and yeah, and I think these tests, they usually look at extracts from uh, the piece, from the book. And they ask um, they ask the students to then look at things like, how does Dickens represent uh, Scrooge's fear? How does Dickens represent um, the, the, the poor, kind of the working class nature of the Cratchits? Questions like that. And I think that this film in particular, if you in a classroom were able to take this film, take an extract from it and show it to your students either before or after they've read the text, I think it's a really, really neat way to get them involved with the text as quickly as possible. Okay, so the next one we're going to be talking about is the 2009 animated retelling of the film featuring Jim Carrey in a multitude of roles. He's uh, multiple characters. The film was produced through the process of motion capture, a technique that the director used in his previous films, The Polar Express and Beowulf. I always say that wrong. Beowulf. Beowulf. You've got to say it with like a Scandinavian <laughs> accent. <yeah>. Beowulf. Um, <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> it is Disney's third retelling of A Christmas Carol, following 1983's Mickey's Christmas Carol and the 1992 Muppet Christmas Carol, which we'll discuss later. We rated this one a PG, which is a step up from the Alistair Sim version, with the ratings info contains mild threat, scary scenes and mild language. And what are the main category-defining moments in this film? Well, there are several, actually, and I was thinking a lot about this when I watched it again. There are several horror scenes which I think take it not just into PG, but to be honest, towards the sort of higher end of PG. So if you think of PG as what a case of Key Stage 2, we are probably thinking of slightly older audiences when you get to the scary scenes, or certainly that younger audiences would be with teachers, big brothers and sisters, parents, and that sort of thing. So there are the, the ghosts are there, and they have, I think, an element of grotesque, which is perhaps a little bit more palpable than in the um, Alistair Sim version, because 
of the way they because they're animated they've gone to town really with the sort of different ways that they look and have these kind of slightly uh, really weird sort of visceral bodily I, stuff. I think I think it's more than slightly with the character of Jacob Marley in particular yeah, that, yeah. that just really takes it to the next level in terms of the grotesque and yeah. it's a great word to use in, in that regard I think it's the ghost of Christmas past that scares me the most the lantern the, yes. the floating, oh, lantern. The floating yeah. lantern there's something yeah. very I, I feel like it always has that childlike quality but um, the animation style makes it quite sinister threatening almost. yeah a yeah threatening. yeah a little bit um, the way it swoops around the room in fact the way the whole film swoops is totally because it's not a camera is it it's, no. uh, it's an animation it swoops and it's very discombobulating at times. And, and I feel like it really plays with the uncanny so like the um, big fat Father Christmas he goes looks like Father Christmas and there is this kind of um, play on that you know and I know that he looks like that in its own after a fashion in all of them but I, I, I feel like the ghosts are quite intense I also think um, that there's a chase sequence and we you know that chase sequences are something that have featured scary chase sequences often at the PG level. So we know about Jurassic Park, you know, being chased by a dinosaur. Um, and I think we've described it on the podcast before. I think there's a real roller coaster element to him being chased through the night. I think it plays with the dark a little more than some of the others because it can with its digital lighting. And so that's something that would be really quite scary at you. And I think that there's something about death in general in it which is, is again quite sort of nasty and upsetting yeah i think it's pushed to the forefront in this film i mean the opening shot is uh, a dead body yeah um in a, in a coffin um which i think is an immediate indication that you know it plays that trick where although it's an animation so it is accessible to kids and kids will watch it without feeling kind of threatened um I do think that it kind of plays its hand quite early in saying this isn't, you know, a kids, a fully kids version of A Christmas Carol. This is one that's going to explore other avenues. I've certainly not got the sort of uh, mitigation of Muppets, but or I mean, it was interesting. You, you mentioned it earlier, the Mickey's Christmas Carol, which was the first version of Christmas Carol I ever saw as a young <laughs> child. I remember seeing it at Christmas and I remember even in that being scared of Scrooge ending up, is it called Scrooge McDuck or whatever, ending up in the grave. But um yeah, I think it does that, and I think that there's a se there's a sort of sequence where, for quite a while, Scrooge is being taunted by the idea of his own corpse being in the room. Now, we've we 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 could fall into the danger, as you often do when you describe a PG or even a U or a twelve A film in too much detail, where you can begin to make it sound like you're talking about a 15 or an 18 and I don't think we're we're obviously not doing that it clearly is a PG it's Absolutely. the sort of film that would really work and I know has worked in classrooms with sort of 9, 10, 11 year olds because it gets this complicated story um, and it goes through it in quite a bit of detail um, and I think in a way that was when I watched it again, far closer to the text because the first time I saw this was when I was classifying the 3D version and um so there was some of the swooshing was quite intense in 3D um, but also the snowflakes were magical you know I, that's what I remembered about it most vividly when, when we decided to do the podcast and now watching it again thinking with classrooms in mind I was struck by how closely it stuck stuck to the text really and Absolutely. how uh, there was um, an emotional realism to quite a bit of it that mm -hmm. sort of doesn't really veer that far into pantomime despite all the sort of extremes of, of the way they look yeah, I think that the chase sequence that you mentioned before is the only thing that, that they add in that is um, very, very different from the novel. But I think what this one 
uh, w- when you take all of the kind of the the tension, the atmosphere, and the the scariness out of it, I think it really goes a long way to try and explore what the main themes of the story are. And these are themes, like I said earlier, that are very present and they still res- resonate today. Themes of why we covet money and is money important to us. Themes of class. You know, themes of kindness and caring and how that can sometimes be richer for us um, as a person than, than money can. And I think this film, you know, the be- I think the best part of any adaptation of A Christmas Carol is that release of tension at the end. Yes. And this film gets that right, I yes. think. You know, Scrooge wakes up after this horrifying ordeal throughout the night and he um, eventually kind of uh, realizes what he needs to do in order to to find atonement. And um, what what you've been saying about this and all those scary scenes, I think actually make the last 10 minutes kind of more resonant. Um, yeah, and, and gives, I think, the, the children in the classroom the opportunity to talk about what has Scrooge learned from this whole ordeal, what, you know, because they remember how horrible it was for him. So they're bound to remember the kind of the more important scenes as well. There's a real um, emphasis on a reassuring ending again, which would be something that we talked about with PGs. One thing I did think was quite interesting, um, both in classification terms and I guess in classroom terms, is there are a couple of things that are slightly different or borne out maybe in a more realistic way than in, in, in the previous film. So one, um, there's some swearing. And I think that that's something just for teachers to bear in mind because some schools might have a very strict policy on that in terms of what you watch. So that's why we're very clear in our ratings information and we note what swear words are in films, even at, mm-hmm. well, especially at the lower category. But the other thing that I thought was interesting, even though he's a grown man, there was quite a strong emphasis on, um, if not quite bullying than um, things that resonated with bullying. So when he's watching other people talk about him so unkindly, um, and albeit as I said, he's a bad guy, he deserves it, he's awful. But I felt that this film really, really brought that home actually, how even even the toughest cookies are soft in the middle and it's really horrible his, his moments and there's more than one of realisation of how much people dislike him and how people have seen through him. Mm. And I thought that, that that might really resonate with the younger end group if you showed it to them and they might see it in those sorts of terms because I've done films with kids where that's what they've brought out, whether it's to do with bullying week or to do with sort of excellent education schools, get get around those issues mm. that they might, I don't know, but my feeling is that kids might well pick up on that. I think you'd be spot on and I think that's a very Dickensian thing as well in that he's so keen on uh, showing somebody's entire life and not just a snippet from it. Yeah. Um, so we get that's how you build empathy with a character. You don't show a single portion where they're a bad person. And it's so clever the way that A Christmas Carol works and something that I think kids will really, really pick up on at a young age is they'll question, why is Scrooge like this? What made him this way? And the fact that we get to go back to his past and find out you know, why he feels so lonely and what turned him into the kind of uh, the Scrooge that he is. Um, I think that that really, really builds empathy with him. And I think we want, by the end of the film, despite him being so awful, we want him to succeed and we want him to change. And we want him to become the person that he wants to be. Yeah. And I think that, that seeing that story from beginning to end for kids is a great way to, to look at anti-bullying mm-hmm. and find out how we should treat people even though they might come across as being horrible or awful or mean or bullying themselves, how we should kind of react to that. Um, and, and children will pick up on that. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to make kids aware before watching it of things to look out for. That could be a really great discussion point for them to think about when watching the film. So if you are watching it with your classroom, I would 
definitely recommend you know having that as a discussion point um, and looking at the ratings info as well with regard to language because that is often a big concern for teachers mm-hmm. as you said Lucy. So finally we're going to be discussing A Muppet Christmas Carol which is a puppet adaptation of the story by Charles Dickens in which an uncharitable Scrooge is visited by three ghosts who teach him the meaning of Christmas and um, <laughs> it is a, one that is very familiar for me. It's one that I think I watched the most as a child and me still too. watch every Christmas Eve with my sister. We are now 23 and 27 and we still watch it every year <laughs> you're not you're not the first person to say that to me today yeah you're not uh, the first adult to tell me well, that just watch it. just around the corner from this very podcast studio the prince charles put it on every year the prince charles cinema and they sell it out every year and it's a sing-along so people still There's love a this sing-along yeah version. the sing-along version at the prince charles cinema is uh, very very popular with london audiences right that's mm. where we'll be going after the podcast <laughs> for uh, <laughs> a little sing-along <laughs> Um, so who would you say is the key audience for The Muppets Christmas Carol? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, it's a you and I think it has, uh, it's a, a sort of film that really does have that sense of a universal audience because I think there's something in it for everyone, which is often what people certainly say to me. They think the hallmark of a really great film is that it's got stuff for everybody there. Um, and it's just got so many things that work so well, hasn't it? And um, they impact on the classification. So um the fact that Michael Caine has sort of been on the record and has very um, been very clear about playing it so straight, that's what gives it its impact because it's a silly Muppets, uh, you know, Fandango, but at the same time mm-hmm. it's actually a, a quite compelling adaptation of a classic work of Absolutely. literature um, uh, that, that follows it very closely. Um, I think that because Caine is playing it straight, the moments of sadness, even though it is a you, actually sort of hit a peak in a way. And I think that we we do feel quite genuinely worried for um, Bob's son and about that and about the empty seat and the crutch on the side. And I think that, um, that, that that's what's so sort of joyous about what they've done. But and in classification terms, what makes it so interesting. So it manages to have that depth and that intensity whilst also being so hilarious and being like, you know, literally no gag stone is left unturned in the in the entire thing so i think that um yeah i, I mean that I, I think that there's something great about the mashup and that the audience is very broad in classroom terms i'm thinking that as it is a you it would probably be fit for pretty much anyone at primary but probably some people at secondary oh yeah oh for sure no this is a film you could show in a secondary school classroom and they would eat it up because it's so so funny and i think what makes it um different from the other versions that we've looked at despite all the versions kind of starting off with a a book so it's very they're all very tied to like the literary aspect of it which is obviously great for the classroom but this one works so well for me and so well for other people i think because we have uh, Charles Dickens addressing us directly. Yes. Um, we have uh, Gonzo as yeah. Charles Dickens <laughs> um, talking to the audience, talking to the camera and explaining things. In this amazing, the script is just so amazing in the way that it manages to directly address the audience and be comedic and informative at the same time. Uh, not it, unlike Dickens himself. I exactly. mean, I think that that's what it's, it's, it's sort of very clever. Yeah. There is one particular scene which I think is fantastic. I think we both, I think we mentioned it in our in our kind of email correspondence before this, which is when you know um, you have Rizzo and Gonzo 
Rizzo, by the way, a really interesting character because he questions what's going on on the screen all the time. And he asks Gonzo, like, why did they do that? Why is he acting like that? Who is he? And Gonzo will reply with, like, just wait and see or we'll explain it to him. Rizzo is the audience kind of talking to back to Charles Dickens, which is so fascinating. Um, but there is one moment in the film where it does get scary, the scariest of you know moment of a lot of these adaptations where the ghost of Christmas future turns up. And you have Gonzo addressing the audience directly and saying that the, it's getting too scary for him and he wants to leave the film and he will meet us at the end of the film. And it's still reassuring because the tone of the film has been humorous all the way through. So you don't suddenly expect the last scene to be too hard hitting so even though they say like oh we don't want to watch this bit we're going to look away you know from watching the rest of the film that it's not going to be too scary Mm. or too intimidating but you have got that precursor that this might be a little bit more serious Mm. and by having that kind of uh, dialogue between the audience in inverted commas and Dickens um, in in Gonzo you've also underscoring some of the sort of mechanics of the film so the mechanic uh, by that I mean that the ghosts are there to teach Scrooge a lesson there's a reason for them being there that isn't about scaring us out of our wits that's not the point the point is that he's scared because he has to um, they have to find a way of getting through to him and um, I think that yeah the ghosts are essentially even the really faceless scary ones in all of them are benevolent aren't they they are trying to teach him that's perhaps why it's so unsettling when the the one doesn't speak um that you 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 start to get a little more worried Mm. because it's not saying anything but i i think that though it it has got its moments of scariness at it's it's fine at you because it's not going into sustained threat it's no it's not going to terrify anyone and i think that so well certainly our experience working with younger audiences is that they are very adept at looking at things like genre and um, the look of a film. And and even if they don't have the vocabulary for it, they will probably have have enough experience to know that that they're in safe hands with something that looks like this, with characters and Muppets that look like this, even if they haven't seen the more recent Muppets films, which many of them have. Um, I think that there's a sort of familiarity for them Hmm. in terms of tone and style, which will make them feel kind of comfortable. And when we talk about kind of... um... Uh, gateways into literature the the very last line of this film yeah i think gonzo said well if you like this you should read the book which you know the film isn't saying here we have now shown you a christmas carol you know it's saying like there are multiple ways to enjoy this story which has basically been the the basis of this podcast is there are multiple ways to enjoy this story there are different angles you can come at this story from and people have been doing it for decades and they'll continue to do it because like we said it's such a a fable and a myth but but this one in particular uh, like you, I watched it multiple times when I was younger and I, it was weird watching it back because you turn it on and you remember all the words to all the songs and the tunes kind of hit you <laughs> in this really nostalgic way. It's one of those things where you don't think you know the lyrics until you listen to it again <laughs> yeah. and then you're suddenly like singing along very loudly. And in the same voices as the, the characters. Same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how would you compare the three films on how they tell the story of Scrooge? Uh, for me, I think that what's actually been really interesting watching them back is that they they tend to not divert from the main theme. They're, they're, these aren't films, I think, that are trying to take Dickens' work and build on it. I think they're trying to take it and just tell the story in you know various creative ways um the the scene where he's leaning out the window at the end of the film uh talking to the child on the street remarkable child remarkable 
um, <laughs> when he does when he says things like that. Every single film uses that line of dialogue. A lot of them are shot for shot, word for word yeah, yeah. recreations, just in you know different styles. To be honest, like you could show any of these films and to to any age group, and they would get the same um, kind of. Uh, message from them you know messages of of being kind what christmas means to different people um how to build empathy all of these things we've talked about okay so what themes can teachers talk to their class about and how can they create a constructive lesson plan around a christmas carol so what uh at interfilm we um we don't just want to tell teachers what to do. We want to give teachers kind of their own autonomy to use the use our resources f- in the best way they can for their classroom. So we do have something called a film guide, which if you go to our website and uh, you search um, A Christmas Carol, it will come up with a film guide for m- the most recent one we've done is Muppets Christmas Carol, um, which, uh, you know, it has questions that relate to the story, not just the film so you can use this if you're teaching a christmas carol in your classroom Uh, it also has a clip on there for the students to discuss um and i think it's a 5 to 11 film guide so it works primarily for primary school students um but it's also got a uh, a task on there as well that you can do as a class like a big activity um and and that is kind of the best best uh, pathway for uh, someone to take if they want to learn about Christmas Carol through into film I think Muppets also has the sort of opportunity to look at music I guess as well and like how how you tell stories in different ways that's Mm -hmm. what I thought was quite interesting about it is that how it does all of those things great for a drama classroom as well not just kind of English literature but um, there's no reason why you can't take scenes or musical numbers from from these films and act them out in a drama classroom for Mm -hmm. children because I'm sure they'd love it and I think um, uh, we've been doing a lot of work um on how age ratings fit in with PSHE. And um, so we've been looking at how films might and um, how we rate films and think about themes and things which which tally with that curriculum for teachers. And I think that there is something quite interesting to say in, in all three of them um, and in, in, in the source material itself, of course, about... Um, if not quite bullying, then, um, yeah, you know, sort of nastiness about, you know, because Scrooge is essentially burned by every, you know, it's like he's roasted by everyone who sort of knows him. And I think that that, that, that it also offers opportunities to talk if you wanted to. Um, in their own way, each of the three films does it differently, but it brings up these ideas about, um, you know, our reactions to things and what we learn and learning behaviours and stuff. So it would be quite useful for that if you wanted it to be. Also, the element of charity and homelessness and is quite reflective of Victorian Britain, which I think is quite interesting, maybe from a history perspective, mm-hmm. if that was something you want to kind of portray around Christmas. Totally. And also, I mean, I mean, again, it's not a classification issue, but there's something so interesting about the sort of different representations of Christmas. And you could think about um, when Christmas became more commercial and what, you know, it's linking Christmas and money and all those sorts of things, which are quite sort of interesting areas still for discussion today. You just you just can't really um, believe watching these films how they make so much sense today um, about kind of spreading wealth to provide happiness is literally something that I think the younger we we help children kind of navigate that 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 idea and, and understand that idea the the better for them the, their lives will be I think we know children are very um, engaged in the uh, in the, with the news and with Uh, politics and those sorts of things we know this from talking to them and from our own research and so I think that there probably will be resonance you know they will have heard or or perhaps even have experience of discussion of food banks and things like that so it does actually in its own way bringing up bring up some of the more hard-hitting themes of of, um of of children's contemporary experience and certainly you know we know that that when they 
read children's newspapers and what they discuss in schools and what they discuss with us is that anything that links to real life, even if it isn't something historical, is something that's worth talking about and we resonate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've actually um, created a worksheet um, around Christmas Carol looking at each of these films and um, they'll have the ratings info for all of them if you are concerned about watching them with your class um, or whether you just want to have some discussion points to discuss or maybe some key themes that will be included as well. Um, and that will be downloadable on our CBBFC website. Finally, I'm going to ask you the most important question. What is your favourite version of A Christmas Carol and why? I mean, the nostalgia factor just keeps me coming back to, to A Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm. Um, you know, I've been really weirdly, we, recently I've been getting back into Sesame Street as well and just how kind of empathetic and understanding it is of, of, of young people yeah. and children and the way in America, like over here in the UK, we don't really have um, an equivalent to Sesame Street, but in America it's kind of a go-to one-shop stop for um, parents who want their children to, who feel confident putting their child in front of the television and letting them watch something like Sesame Street um, and it's the way it teaches and the way it still manages to be hilarious that's all in A Muppet Christmas Carol as well and I think for that reason combined with the very 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 catchy songs is my favourite version and what about you Lucy? I, it's hard isn't it uh, I have so much affection for Muppets Christmas Carol it might be the one that I'd like to watch most of all but I have a lot of affection and time for the Zemeckis version starring Jim Carrey. I think it's got quite a lot of ambition for a film aimed at that sort of PG market. I think it understands how much you can play with uh, trickier themes for those sorts of seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old audiences. And um, I, and I, I find it quite admirable what they're trying to do with everything from the cinematography to the jump scares to the chase sequences to the snowflakes it's the, it's the one that made me feel the most like it might have been like an undigested piece of beef yes like when because <laughs> that's obviously the line that Scrooge uses to describe uh, what might be happening to him when Marley first turns up but it is like a, a, a fever dream like a food poisoning dream well, well, especially because it's got all these uncanny <laughs> elements like um, when Scrooge becomes tiny little pint sized Scrooge and that's but that's sort of playing with the sort of things that are nightmarish yeah. that children will talk about in terms of nightmares um, where things are the wrong shape and yeah. things are in the wrong order um, and it's genuinely quite eerie in places and I think that that's um, also I think that's good because it brings us back to what a Christmas carol is and you could say it is a social parable or whatever but you mm. could, I would say ultimately as we said at the beginning it's a ghost story a ghost mm -hmm. story absolutely yeah a character study mixed in with a ghost story yeah yeah mm -hmm. It should be scary. I mean, even the Muppets one is scary. It made yeah. me um, jump at the sight of a dressing gown. <laughs> or when the door knock over yes. comes her face. Terrifying Ooh, in, the, a, in the Jim Carrey version. Yes. That's terrifying. It is a Muppet, but I'm still terrified um, every time. <laughs> faces and things. <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. No, really thank you for having me. It. It's been great. Uh, and finally, um, we've all got to say a big bar humbug. Yes. Because <laughs> we have managed to do a whole podcast on A Christmas Carol without saying it once uh, and I yeah. think that is maybe a record breaker <laughs> <laughs> I like the um, the the muttering of Bar Humbug where he's just like Bar Humbug and you know I like it when he says it kind of off to the side because he really gets into it when he says yeah. it like that is there anything coming up at Interfilm that we should be aware of? Well, we've just had the Interfilm Festival um, where I think we had some screenings of Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, but we've got our spring screenings coming up as well uh, in the new year that, um, you know, they're, they're screenings around the country that, that 
uh, classrooms can get involved with um, and it's on the theme of shifting grounds this year um, and so it's there's a lot of environmental stuff a lot of LGBT stuff but um, go out on our website and check it out because it's really really worth looking at thank you so much for listening um, have a lovely Christmas from all of us and hope you join us again soon thank you